Today on the WSJ Media Mix podcast, we break down the news that the Redstones have called off their effort to merge CBS and Viacom. Welcome to the WSJ Media Mix podcast, bringing you interviews and analysis with people that matter in the fast-changing media business. Hello and welcome to the WSJ Media Mix podcast. I'm Stephen Perlberg, bringing you this special report uh, from the WSJ Media Mix podcast. I'm joined by Amol Sharma, media editor here at The Journal, and Keech Hagee, uh, reporter, media reporter as well. How are you guys doing? Great. What's up, peeps? So we're here to talk about the the big news uh, over the last couple hours here in the media world. Uh, Sumner Redstone and his daughter Sherry Redstone have ended their their effort to merge Viacom and CBS, the two media companies in their uh, vast empire. So um, it's a big reversal, and, and it's, a, it's a big move. So, Keith, you've been reporting on it. Can you just sort of give us the background of what, what exactly happened over the past couple hours? Well, so uh, yesterday, uh, National Amusements, which is the holding company that controls Viacom and CBS, sent this letter to the boards of both companies saying, you know that whole merging thing we told you to do in September? Yeah, never mind. Um, and Sherry Redstone and Sumner Redstone had both signed this letter, um, pretty interestingly. And look, we had been hearing some rumblings for weeks that the people were getting less excited about this idea. Um, I mean, certainly the CBS side never seemed particularly excited about the idea, and um, but a lot of people chalked that up to posturing. Um, but even on the Viacom side, you know, there was sort of more and more talk about uh, this, the acting CEO, Bob Backish, he might actually have a plan for a standalone Viacom. Um, maybe that plan seems like it's a good plan. Um, more and more talk about that. However, I mean, even just like a couple weeks ago, Sherry Redstone was, you know, talking in public about how scale matters and there's industrial logic to bring these companies together. Did it come as a surprise? Because it seemed like once they made this announcement, both companies got their, you know, their boards to sort of approve looking into it. And it just seemed like when you've got these controlling shareholders that want to make this move, it was a foregone conclusion and then this this big reversal. So to what extent was this a big surprise? Well, I think uh, as, you know, we had been hearing, again, rumblings that maybe people weren't so psyched about it. One way of looking at it is that the ball was always kind of in Les Moonves's court. He really needed to negotiate a deal with Sherry Redstone and the Redstone family, um, even though you know, officially he couldn't do this. But there needed to be an understanding that he was going to have the control that he needed um, to run the co- combined company and just be compensated in a way that was fair and m- mostly um, not have the same thing happen to him that happened to the ex-CEO of Viacom, Philippe Dalman, who was ousted in a power struggle this year. And there was never really a sense that that deal happened, <laughs> you know, that there, there was sort of an impasse for a bunch of reasons, um, including valuation of the two companies. And so I would think, you know, why it fell apart can start there. It does, you know, it's hard to overstate how how much people thought this was the end game. I mean, for the last several months, I mean, it, se- it seemed so neat that you would have this power struggle, as you said, and all of the... Um, the drama over Sumner Redstone's health, and then Sherry Redstone, um, his daughter, kind of coming to the fore and, and to the uh, to the leadership position in the empire. It felt like the obvious conclusion. Very neatly to this was her big idea would be to combine these two companies again, which of course CBS and Viacom split in 2006. So put them back together. Les Moonves runs the whole thing. The CEO of CBS. 
everyone goes home. That's the end of the book, right? And so this has kind of thrown everything back in the air again and created lots of questions about what's going to happen next. The conventional wisdom is that like CBS is doing well, Viacom not doing so well, right? So that it would make make sense. And, and Les Moonves has been one of the sh- more shrewd media executives in this crazy changing media environment um, that that we've that we've gone under. Why do you think that he didn't necessarily th- like what what about the merger didn't make sense from a business standpoint that that people both on the Viacom and the CBS side had an aversion to? Well, I mean, number one, in a world of skinny bundles, you don't want more channels, right? You, especially you don't want more not necessarily must-have channels, which is what Viacom has a lot of. They have some great household names, MTV, Comedy Central, and then they have a lot of other stuff. And they are sort of the poster child for other stuff. And Les Moonves did not want any of that other stuff. Um, but the thinking was that, oh, well, if you could pack the other stuff with CBS, an absolutely must-have broadcast network, and it would sort of force the combined thing, um, jam that down more people's throats, basically. But look, things are changing really quickly. I thought it was so interesting that one of the f- first things that Bob Backish did as CEO of um, Viacom was get a new distribution chief because the distribution conversations that Viacom is having, even he said, they need to change. They used to be very my way or the highway, and um, I think they need to come from a more humble and creative place. The last time the three of us were, were in here on, on the podcast, we, talk, we were talking about AT&T and Time Warner um, and that merger. The, we talked about CBS and Viacom in that context that, you know, as there's more consolidation in the industry, that Viacom and CBS might make more sense. Now that it's not happening, wh- where do those two parties stand from, to your point, this sort of skinny bundle negotiations? What, what, how, where, where do they go from here? What kind of clout do they have in the industry separately? I mean, that's a great question. Uh, I think that Viacom is certainly trying to desperately overhaul MTV and Comedy Central, and they they are trying to focus more on their top six channels. So that includes, you know, Nickelodeon and the big brands that you know of um, that are household names, and maybe not focus so much on the other ones and um, perhaps put more resources into just the top six. So I, I think we should definitely keep an eye out for, for that kind of change over the next year. And I, the question I want to know is, you know, who's going to be the first person to shut down a channel? Um, may, may well be them. We'll see. So for, for Sherry, she obviously won the power struggle over the summer. That was like a big, big victory. They ousted Doman. Th- this is interesting because it's obviously, the, you know, it didn't work out. This is what she wanted and faced some resistance. So where do you think that her and, and Sumner, where do you think the Redstones kind of stand, like, in terms of their control of this empire and, like, exerting their will? Do you, do you see her going forward as being a central figure in what Viacom and CBS decide to do separately? I have to just update. At 100%, yes. I do think that, um, that Sherry is going to be, uh, she's going to be a very big force within Viacom going forward. And already, even as we, you know, reported yesterday, um, you know, she has a great relationship with with Bob Backus. She talks to him a lot. Um, you know, he he values her counsel, which is a really different relationship that than uh, she had with uh, his predecessor, his two two CEOs ago predecessor, <laughs> Philippe um, Demont, who, of course, they were rivals for years. So um, I expect her to be more hands on than I think maybe many people expect. The big you know the big question for Viacom 
which of the two companies has the has the more difficult road as a standalone company, I think anyone who observes media would say. And the, the difficult question for them now is they most people think Viacom would be much better off um, being acquired by somebody and being part of a more diverse media or telecom company um, where the household brands that Keach mentioned have some value, but it's out of its its immediate problems of a bunch of sagging networks, some financial pressures, a movie studio at Paramount, which hasn't been doing great. So, But then you look at the, the fact that CBS, its own sister company, wasn't willing to pay a premium for Viacom. And when you have the controlling shareholders who want a deal to to happen and it doesn't happen and they couldn't agree on a premium for Viacom, it makes it difficult to imagine other big companies out there being willing to pay a big price for Viacom. So, of course, Viacom could go on on its own, and maybe Bob Backish does really have a great turnaround plan, and we should all watch and see if that happens and if they can turn around these brands and maybe close some channels and maybe do some things globally that are interesting or with the movie studio, of course, you know, get a few hits and things really turn around in in Hollywood and the movie business. But uh, there's no doubt there's going to be a lot of pressure and there'll be people wondering if this was the main strategic option out there for Viacom. All right, great. We're going to be back in uh, just a second with more. WSJ Special Access gives you a front row seat to some of the Wall Street Journal's most exciting content, like The Quirkier Side of Life, a new series that features the fun, surprising stories our reporters come across. The chief executive walks 10,000 barefoot steps every day. He recalls stepping on a bee, which put him off earthing for a couple of days, but he got back to it. Check out The Quirkier Side of Life on WSJ Special Access, only for WSJ subscribers. Hi, this is Paul Gigo, host of the Potomac Watch podcast. Join me and my colleagues every week as we dissect all of the latest happenings in Washington. Check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts and become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Google Play Music app. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. All right, we're back talking Viacom and CBS with Amol Sharma. All right, we we were talking uh, sort of about Viacom's options going forward. I want to ask about the new CEO, Bob Backish. He was the interim CEO, and simultaneously with this announcement yesterday that CBS and Viacom merger wasn't going to happen, Viacom named him permanent CEO, right? So what do you think his game plan is? Obviously, this is like a a big task ahead. Um, Is there any sense from, from your conversations inside Viacom as to what he might have in mind? So... I'll do a little game plan, but then Mo has to tell us what kind of a dude Bob Backish is because <laughs> yes. he has traveled around the wilds of yes. India with him um, for this other awesome story. Uh, so uh, he definitely plans to take lessons from his international experience and apply them to domestic. He said that. So uh, expect, you know, focus on the top six brands, as we've said. Uh, he he really understands the over-the-top space because outside of the U.S., it's a much more flexible marketplace than it is here. Actually, we're like very behind in in OTT in a lot of ways, and um, he's you know, he's been very conversant, I think, in the products out there and wants to you know bring some of those lessons here. Um, he has dispatched his CFO to uh, Hollywood to try to fix Paramount, which it's it's really hard to overstate. Like what a terrible 2016 Paramount had. Um, just like yeah, a lot of duds, right? Apocalyptically bad. 
year. So it's going to improve next year because that's just about all that it can do. <laughs> um, and you know, he has he's assembled this team of executives from throughout the com- uh, company that is head down trying to figure out a strategy to turn the thing around. So um, that's like the, the top top line sketch. But um, the other thing I would say is that he is kind of a no, at least his his brand is like a, he's a no BS kind of guy. So he he spoke very directly at a UBS conference pretty recently in a way that was very unusual for the types of CEOs that that speak there. You know, he's pretty honest about the problems were speaks in a direct way. I think that's refreshing for people. So um, I don't know. What was your take on him? Amal? He's yeah, he's a uh, he is refreshing in that sense. Uh, and Keach mentioned. Um, uh, the story that we did a couple of years ago about uh, Bob Backish's uh, role in Viacom and running their international networks. And we were in, in India. I was visiting uh, a region where Viacom was investing in regional language Indian TV channels. And, and, and this was a growth strategy, which turned out to be pretty smart. That business for Viacom has done pretty well. And investors kind of, they don't have a lot of visibility into the Indian stuff, but they're, but they're, uh, they're, uh, they're bullish on it and they know it's growing. Um, I will say that when we were standing on the set of an Indian reality TV game show, playing, I think he and I were playing some like ping pong ball game or something, and and they had created this whole fake show to tape us talking. That it never aired, but it was like a gift they gave to us, like taping a show of me and Bob Backish <laughs> talking to each other on the set of a reality show. I don't know why we were doing it, uh, but he was a good sport, and I'm pretty sure he did not know at that moment that he was going to be tapped by Sherry Redstone to lead the future of Viacom. After all of this drama, um, on a serious point, though, Keach pointed out: Look, he was because he was in international markets. A lot of them pay t- pay television isn't as big as it is here. Maybe broadcast is big. Maybe they're kind of leaping into mobile a lot faster in some Asian markets, and that means that you experiment with different models, you try different things, and you just have a generally different approach to distributing content and thinking about that. The way Viacom was structured, that was sort of fenced off from the U.S. business because that, you know, that was run separately. So now he will have a much greater ability to bring those lessons to bear on on Viacom. Oh, one other thing, I think I buried the lead. He did say because he runs, uh, he used to run MTV channels around the globe, where MTV really, like, really means a lot as a brand and means something specific. He um, he wants to bring music back to uh, MTV. Yeah, that was, that's interesting because I remember last upfront the former MTV president. Uh, who left recently, um, it was the day that Prince died, coincidentally. And they totally revamped the whole program because this they were really making that push. You know, we're going to put the M back in MTV. And there was Prince music playing and purple wristbands. And so they it kind of it was obviously sad, but it, it really was an interesting day for that to happen because they, they are, you know, put, pushing more into that, um, that space. Um, I think he has a pretty good guitar collection. I have to go back and look at my notes, but I wrote down about it. I couldn't get them in in these days of lean stories with sh- with fewer words. But I'm One sure. thing he said, at, it might have been at that UBS uh, conference, but did he say something about Vice, that Viacom is oh, not yes. interested in you know, acquiring a stake in Vice? Am I getting that right? Oh, unequivocally, Okay, so how he what, said that, yes. There's been like this sense that maybe Viacom missed the boat digitally could have made some acquisitions could have made some digital plays through the years and they didn't to inter- you know it he, uh, has you know been outspoken i guess that he is not interested in vice but do you think that he'll make some big digital bets going forward and and um you know what that might look like 
Possibly. Uh, I mean, their, you know, their balance sheet is a little tight. Uh, they did do an Argentinian broadcaster acquisition, but he was, you know, he made sure to say that was with offshore money. Um, but there were, look, the old regime is is most is gone at Viacom. So a lot of the old relationships that, that kept those acquisitions from happening, you know, th- those are gone. So new conversations can start. The market would love to see him do some smart digital play. So he has an incentive to do it. Cool. All right. Well, thanks so much to you both for uh, breaking it down. Uh, And thanks, everyone, for listening to this special episode of the WSJ Media Mix podcast. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.